0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing?
0: Good. Another Oilers loss, 3-1 to to the mighty Detroit Red Wings um, in a game that uh, the Oilers were not really in until the last seven minutes. Detroit soundly outplayed them. After the first two periods, Bruce Degrafi scoring chances were eleven to five for Detroit. They ended up um, thirteen to nine because the Oilers had a had a bit of a spurt at the end. But this was uh, another weak effort from the Oilers. But I'm actually not personally focused on effort. I'm focused on the skill and speed of this team. Right. I just think it's it's still lacking in a couple key spots. They've, they've they've fixed a few things, Bruce, but that's going to be my theme tonight. So we'll do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What is your good thing?
1: Well, it seems inappropriate to start with a good thing off of that game, but uh, <laughs> since that's our usual order of business, I guess we'll have to do it. Uh, I, I like the one new line uh, featuring Ryan Nugent Hopkins between Jujar Kara and Sam Gagne. I, I thought they had some chemistry. I thought they had a lot of possession. And certainly the uh, 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 the flow of place uh, charts show that. Uh, shot attempts with Nuge on the ice 18 4, 4 against Gagne 19 5, Kara 16 4. Like they were dominating the possession time. And among the three of them, they had eleven shots: six by Nuge, three by Kara, two by Gagne, and some and some pretty decent looks. So uh, Dave Tippett's attempt to uh, uh, breathe new light into the bottom nine had at least a, a a flicker of a flame on one of the three lines, and that would be uh, the one featuring the uh,
0: I didn't mind that Haas line either, actually. I- I don't know what their um, numbers are like on shots, but I thought Haas looked good fast P- out there. P-
1: pretty good. 7-2 uh, to two in shot attempts for Haas. And it was the first line that got smoked. And, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, the first line was exposed in, by my good thing. And usually I pick an order good thing. But tonight I was just so impressed with the speed of um, Larkin and... What's his name? Athanasio? Athanasio? Is that yes. correct? Yeah. That guy is fast, and Larkin is fast. They just... Uh, uh, Ethan Bear is going to be having some nightmares about that. Yeah, um, I'm afraid he But is. you let that, those guys wind it up like that. How many defensemen in the NHL are going to keep that player in front of him um, with no one getting on him through the neutral zone at all? Yeah. So... Uh, that's what impressed me Bruce and mm-hmm. again this goes back to my thing I don't think the Oilers you know the effort's gonna the effort's kind of a variable with teams it's gonna be there some nights and not I don't think the Oilers are not a hard-working team I think they're at least league average under Tippett right now for hard-workingness but I think for speed and skill they're still below league average um overall because um, the first line and the top line players just don't make up for the the, the number of AHL-level players right now who are in the bottom six and in the bottom pairing defense.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard to
0: argue. Hard to argue. What's your bad thing?
1: Uh, bad thing has to go to the start of the game again. And to me, like, this is appalling. Uh. Uh, and as a fan, uh, I find it unacceptable that a team would come out and play so poorly in the first period after a game in which they played so poorly uh, previously, that they're not ready for the start of the game, and yet the Oilers weren't even close oh. to ready for the start of this game. You know, Detroit had a wide open two-on-one 15 seconds into the first period. Uh. This is what, this is against our, our uh, Edmonton's um, uh, dedicated checking line, well, certainly not a scoring line, with uh, Riley Sheehan and, uh, and company. And they got burned for a two-on-one, like right off the bat. Uh, they spent the whole rest of the first minute chasing the puck around in their own zone while Detroit created all kinds of chaos, and there was Darnell Nurse nearly had to grab the puck in the crease to keep him from scoring. It was just chaos from the outset. Then the first line came out, and they spent the second minute completely pinned in their own end, not able to win any puck battles, never able to get a hold of the puck and move it out. And they spent the whole first period basically on their heels. They were outshot 13-5. to five. Uh, They got a penalty and uh, lost the face-off, spent the short power play chasing the puck around and eventually fishing it out of their net. And then, like has happened in every game lately, every single game, David – Last four games in a row, when the Oilers give up the first goal, they give up the second goal within 90 seconds later. Tonight it was 52 seconds. And what went from a one nothing well, we're a little bit behind, we're going to have to fight back, came this 2 nothing crater that they were never able to pull their way out of for the entire rest of the game. And that's just lack of bloody attention to detail. And like I say, to, to this fan, it's just unacceptable that the team can't uh, pay a little bit more attention to you know, little details like when does the game start? How about being ready for that time? Not good enough.
0: And I can't argue with you, Bruce. And that's <laughs>
1: not speed and skill. That is that is focus. And how right many, now, this team has very little of that.
0: How many two-on-ones did the organization have? How, there was, I don't think they've given up more on even man rushes all year long. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're trying too hard. Maybe these bottom line players are trying too hard to create some offense and they're starting to take chances. I don't know. But like Detroit, fortunately, was unable to connect on a lot of passes and shots in those situations. They missed the net a ton of times and missed their passes a few times.
1: Well, the second period, the Shea and didn't start the period because they already started with some power play time, but they came out next and they gave up a three-on-two from center ice in because all three of the forwards got trapped deep in, uh, in Detroit territory. All three of the zero-goal forwards got trapped cheating for offense. Uh, that, that play didn't connect. The puck went down to the other end, and the same three guys got trapped in another wide-open three-on-two from center ice in, like the same three checking line forwards gave up a three-on-two from center in, where there wasn't an order forward in the frame, let alone anywhere around the puck.
0: That's exactly the sequence I was thinking of. And twice, really? first, first Bertuzzi missed the net, and the second time, he, he I think he squandered his pass. Like, he didn't connect.
1: Yeah, that. I mean, they didn't connect, but not not for want of opportunity. And, I mean, and wide a, open.
0: Neil on. blocked one with his stick, a two-on-one, and then I think Russell got one with his stick, a two-on-one. So there was just all kinds of them all game long. and um Koskinen, you know,
1: I, Koskinen got a few of them.
0: Koskinen played pretty well actually i mean it, i didn't love either of the goals on a certain level but i didn't i couldn't really blame him on either of the goals either i mean the the um the first one Sheehan tried to make a a play at, right at the blue line at the to get the puck out and after that they, the owners were kind of very wide open in their zone so that shooter down low had all kinds of time to make the play. Now maybe Koskinen could have been more aggressive on him. And then the and the second one, Bear completely screened. I thought Koskinen like it. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> it was a hell of a shot by someone you don't expect to make a hell of a shot. That Detroit defenseman Nemeth, but it was a hell of a shot to the top corner. But uh, Koskinen uh, might have had it. But
1: after all three forwards got caught off the, on the other side of the ice, and then coughed the puck up. And one pass over, and and Nemeth is able to walk right into the top of the face-off circle and step into it. And Bear is left trying to cover one guy in front and the guy with the puck, and he winds up doing the wrong thing and screening the goalie. But uh, Bear Bear was kind of the last part of the sequence of pain. That was a
0: yeah, that was Neil, a nasty uh,
1: one. Neil and Chase on messed up the pass out, and Haas was in the middle of nowhere instead of sort of covering a. A zone, he was out to lunch, oh, so it was God. just not a, not a pretty play.
0: Yeah, not a pretty Th- that play was play. exhibit A. And that was a
1: game winner, you know.
0: Yeah, picked. that's ex- that was exhibit A versus them not being ready. That Neil, Neil, that was a kind of lack of sharpness. Neil not getting it onto Chase on stick, like kind of blankly putting up the boards. Chase and there was an on earlier not
1: looking for the pass,
0: Chase on not looking for the pass. You might blame him too. Yep. There was an earlier play where Dry tried to hit Russell coming into the slot, mm-hmm. and um. And that, uh, that ended up with a great a chance for Detroit because Russell couldn't quite reach it. And then Manning right. was up too high. And I think it was, was that a breakaway? It was yep. a nasty chance. I think that was a breakaway. So.
1: Yeah, they had like three breakaways, at least. And <laughs> all these two-on-ones and three-on-twos. And, and uh, precious little in the way of defensive awareness from the forwards in particular. Compared to Detroit's forwards, we were checking like demons and covering the uh, neutral zone and swarming around the slot and getting their sticks in the lane and deflecting passes and getting in the way of shots uh, all game long. And you know, it was uh, it really kind of stood out to me. So uh, <sighs> Detroit uh, apparently needed this game more than Edmonton did.
0: So my bad thing. I've listed all kinds of them. I've kind of run out of bad things, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what to say anymore. But uh, I, I just, I really do think they need an injection of talent. And uh, I think I've seen. I, I'll just go with the the two players that I think. I didn't. Jujar Jarko, I didn't see particularly well tonight. Again, like I know that he that line clicked a bit. Maybe he was part of it, but I'm not... I just don't see... What did he get, three goals last year?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is he, minus six or seven mm-hmm. already this year? Yeah, minus seven. Yeah. Um, and Thomas Yurcho has done pretty much nothing in the regular season, and it's time for him to... Both those players, I, I think I, I would be fine with it if they were sent to the AHL tomorrow or put in the press box. And I'd really... I think Cooper Marodi... Um, hasn't been fantastic at the AHL this year, but he was fantastic last year, and he's he got a couple goals I think last game. He I think he's ready, um, and I maybe Yamamoto as well. If Gambardella was healthy, I would bring up Gambardella, but I, I don't. I think he's hurt. So Cooper Marody, they, they need some more skill in the lineup, and Marody has that, mm-hmm. and uh, I would bring him up, and I might bring up Yamamoto has been their best forward this year. I've been wa- I've watched not all the games, but I think what five of them or four or five of them, and he's been he he is playing at a different level than I've ever seen him play before at the pro level, uh, way more confident, and um, I'd like to. See.
1: Well, I'll say this about Kyler Yamamoto. tread with care. Uh, and the reason I say that is that two years ago he started the season in the NHL and they demoted him back to junior. Last year he started the season in the NHL and they demoted him down to the AHL. This year, he started the season in the AHL, which is the right league for him. Uh, but I'm I'm thinking, you want to call this guy up exactly once in the entire rest of his career. And when you do, it's for keeps. Because you call him up and you put him back on the yo-yo, man, you're messing with that kid. And so uh, I'm saying, get it right. That's I guess that's what
0: I'm saying. Well, it depends on what um, conditions are. You could say, listen, we jo- Joachim Nygaard, uh, we need some attacking help for a couple of weeks, Kyler. We have Yolkem Nygaard coming back to the lineup. When Joachim mm-hmm. Nygaard comes back to the lineup, you'll be going back down. But we need you for 2 weeks to come up here and give us a little boost. How does that sound, kid? You want to tr- do that? Would that mess you up? How does that mess if you up? If he
1: comes up and he knocks it out of the park, great. Well, that you comes keep- up and he doesn't knock it out of the park and he gets sent back down, he's on the yo-yo. I I'm, you know, I'm just thinking in terms of the of the uh of the the curve, I, I want his next recall to be the one that's permanent. I'm
0: not that's... as I'm not as strict about that. I mean, he's a 21 okay. year old forward um, <laughs> who's doing well. He did okay at the HL level last year. He's he started off strong. I don't feel as strongly about that as with forwards as I do with defensemen. Um, the the defensemen I do think have much more of a danger of having their confidence crushed because they start to leak goals against and and really get blamed and it's horrible right. at the NHL level. doesn't happen so much with wingers. I, right. So if, if they were to do it, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't criticize them. I think you need to, to think about the right message because I do think when Nygaard comes back, he's a very similar kind of attacking player. And, and I really liked him. So, uh, but he's missed that right guy, on. I think what's that Bruce?
1: Orner's missed that guy. I think Joachim uh,
0: Nygaard. That kind of player, that kind of speedy winger. Uh, and again, I think they have it in, I, I don't know what you thought of Haas, but I liked him. He's fast out there. He gets around and he makes good plays with the puck. I i, I want to see more of him. I think he can play. he He's impressed, you know, hasn't done much, but he's not given, hadn't had a lot of ice time yet. So I'd like to see him for five games, six games.
1: Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of other candidates for the press box tomorrow night. Let's put it that way.
0: There is no shortage. That's, <laughs> that is the truth. What is your number?
1: Uh, my number is 1 minute and 16 seconds and 1 minute and 14 seconds, which are the average shift lengths for Leon Drysidle and Connor McDavid. Yeah. They each played, uh, well, 22, uh, 21 shifts each, but 2609 for McDavid, 2643 for Drysidle, and just lots of shifts where they were out. And some of them are power play. Sure, you got a 90-second shift here and there, but... Uh, that as an average shift goes, that just jumps off the page. Like anything over a minute is unusual, and a minute and a quarter is almost off the charts. And and it's because they know when they go back to the bench and sit down, the Oilers aren't going to score for the next four minutes, right?
0: And and to give them credit, I think if I'm not mistaken, when drysettle did score, had he not been out there forever by then?
1: Yeah, uh, I think for a good I long think,
0: while. Yeah, I think, I think that might have been his longest shift of the game. I, I, I could be wrong, but that's my memory of it. Um, so, yeah, and I think you're right. Like, that's the thought. Like, if we get off, it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, or Bust.
1: Yeah, well, here, hang on. I'll just give you a quick summary of, I'll just look at Leon in the third period.
0: So that was at 7.15, uh, uh, 13
1: one, in. 1.14, the shift before the goal. one forty four the shift before that. 2.23, the shift after that. Like his last five shifts of the game were all a minute nine or longer, and mind you, at that time, obviously they're pushing hard for the for the late comeback. But there's not much time to. Uh, what to was ga- the shift on the goal? Uh, One fourteen only.
0: The shift so after that was a power play shift.
1: Yeah, right? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it was the, Yeah, they drew the penalty, and then they got the. It was a four on four. Then Leon drew the penalty. So then they had the four on three, and he stayed up for the whole power play. So you know, the there's some of is, that, but still.
0: Funny thing is, Bruce, if if uh, they had scored on that power play, and they came, Nugent Hopkins came so close to scoring on that power play, like this could have been another one of the Oilers' kind of wins that they didn't deserve. You know, the Oilers' eight and five record flatters the team um, mm-hmm. still, and and uh, they're probably more like a seven eight eight seven team. I think. That was probably too many games, eh? So, have to.
1: Yeah, well, Cassian came really close in the late going also. But, yeah, Leon, he had 14 shifts over a minute and three shifts over two minutes.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: So, then you wonder at the end of the game.
0: Why he's got no juice. They they
1: shoot the puck into the zone and there's nobody there to go after the (laughs) darn thing because they're all sucking wind. Yeah.
0: Uh, my number is one, and to, this is the number of grade-A scoring chance shots by uh, the, you know, the bottom-rung players on the orders It was Kara who did get it on a rebound shot. So good but, for you jar dribbled
1: That he dribbled in to the bullpen? Yeah,
0: he I kind of dribbled it in. It
1: yeah, was, he, he was in the right place, and he did get his stick on it, but he didn't get much mustard on it.
0: He didn't. But that was the only one we saw from that group of players, and it's getting, you know, wow. It's, it's getting into that. Like, you know how we were going wow about Tobias reader last year. It's, it's almost like we're going wow about this whole group of forwards this year. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: James Neal has made up for a lot of it with his kind of unreal scoring, but, um, that's drying up a little bit here. So, Good luck yeah, tomorrow well, night, Columbus. They're just,
1: they're just not generating any shots, David.
0: They're <clears> not, Bruce.
1: My pregame thing today, like I pointed out, that the uh, outside of James Neal, the other nine forwards that uh, Ken Holland brought in or, or extended this summer that are on the team this year, played a combined 80 games, basically a full NHL season worth of games, and had 78 shots, less than one shot a game for like nine players.
0: And how many goals? One. One the knee guard goal the knee guard
1: the knee guard goal
0: (laughs) it'll be a legendary thing the knee guard will be worshiping the knee guard (laughs) some people have forgotten the knee guard though bruce like yeah yeah it was
1: scored four on four so it kind of disappears from some of the five on Uh five splits that you see yes it was a four on four play where Haas beat his guy off the face off circle Danced behind him, fed knee guard, and it was in the net, about right off the faceoff. Oh, I re- it was kind of a kind of a slick play, but a lonely one in terms of bottom line players getting actual results.
0: I honor. I remember the knee guard, and I honor the knee guard. So that's probably why I'm hoping for knee guard to come back so much because it's oh. firmly rooted in my head. All right, you're doing game grades. I am. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe not a lot to say about uh,
1: I am my temptation is to dock the entire team minus one for their failure to show up at the beginning of the game. We'll do it. Uh, I'm thinking I will do it. <laughs> consecutive games. There's just no excuse for it. Yeah.
0: Alrighty. Well you get at it. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce.
1: All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. See
0: you tomorrow. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey Podcast.